0: So, good morning. Today is August 1, and we are starting the last full month of Justin's sabbatical. So, woohoo, I'm looking forward to him returning. So, during the month of August, we are thinking about Cornerstone's fourth value statement, which is courage and leadership building, rebuilding foundations. And you'll note Scarlett and Olivia Naum's work of art. You can come over here, Barry. We don't want you in front of the artwork. But um, so, um, yeah. So I don't know if you, if, as you look at it, you'll see there is a shepherd's staff running, OK, um, running across it diagonally. And um, as a symbol of leadership, well, you can talk with Scarlett and Olivia about it. And Olivia shared with me that Scarlett really conceptualized everything above the um, Shepard staff and uh, a really good work of art looks good from a distance but also close up and I think you'll enjoy coming up and I, Sue and I enjoy seeing the paint application and everything the way Scarlett did that, so what What do I do? Okay, thank you. Sorry. That's okay. Good. Just comfortable? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Thank you so much for making that work of art. Um, so to help us think about this, uh, this value statement, I would like you to think about the following scenario. So I'll ask our soundboard folks, if I'm not doing something right, you let me know. Um, or, if, or you let them know <laughs> if I'm not doing it right. So um, Tessa emailed this scenario out earlier so that you could think about it in advance. But um, I'm going to share it again. It's also printed on the back of your bulletins. Thank you very much to Terry McCumber for doing that. But I'm going to share it again in case someone did not get a chance to see it. At the close of the scenario, this is the huge part, I am going to ask you questions to invite your feedback. So this is not just rhetorical. I really would like your feedback. And I especially would like feedback from any of our youth who are here, and I'll maybe say more about that later. Um, So put on your thinking caps, okay? This is not just rhetorical. And for the folks who are participating in the service virtually through Zoom, you may send in your responses using the chat function on Zoom, and we will read your answers to the congregation. Okay, here's the scenario. Imagine that you are a passenger in a plane that gets blown off course, loses contact with the outside world, and then has to make an emergency water landing. Everyone on board survives, and you all make it to a nearby island. However, the plane sinks, leaving no trace. You discover that the island you are on has no inhabitants, but it has food and everything you need to survive physically. Well, as days stretch into weeks, and weeks into months, with no sign of rescue, you all begin to realize you need to make a life for yourself on the island, because it may, you may be there for some time. So there are about a hundred of you, and as you get to know each other, you discover that about half of you are Christians, but from a wide variety of denominations. The Christians have Bibles, but there are no ministers among you. So here are the questions. What would you do to practice your Christian faith? What would you do to live as a disciple of Jesus? What we're wanting to get at: what are the foundations, the fundamentals, the essentials, the non-negotiables of walking rightly with Jesus in the place where you find yourself? What practices could help you live for Jesus, but maybe they're not required. Excuse me, they're not required. What we're trying to get at is, what does Jesus really want in his people, in his church? So, okay, Um, someone's, I guess Barry's going to be coming around with a microphone. So um, just raise your hand, and Barry will bring the microphone to you. This is important, even if you have a strong voice, so that those who are participating virtually can also hear it. Okay, and I've already shared the folks Virtually can can send a response through through the chat function of Zoom. It always takes a brave one to do the to be first. It's like an auction. Joy, I see you raising your hand. No, I know you're scratching your face. <laughs> so what? Yeah. Okay. And, and, and thank you, Tessa.
1: Sure. Uh, I think for me, prayer was the first thing that I would want to gather with Christians and certainly pray about our situation and what God would call us to do. And then I would want to study. Um, I'm glad people pack their Bibles. Study the Word uh, together. And then for me, worship Uh, is essential, worshiping together. Um, So prayer,
0: study, worship.
1: Yeah. And I think probably from that, and this may not be about your Christian walk, but I think so. It's also personality. I just would want to figure out how to serve as the Christians serve everyone else.
0: How to serve everyone else. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's good. Paul, you raised your hand. You said, do you have something? Yeah. And um, yeah, I have a feeling the prayer would start as the plane is going down for me. <laughs> Hey Elena. I immediately thought of lost when you started. You got further and further in your description. Um, you, those, you say you felt lost. The show lost. Okay. You were describing it pretty close. Oh yes, the, yes. The, um, I actually came up with that scenario before the show, but I <laughs> I didn't sue them or anything. Tessa stole some of my ideas at the end, but I, I think um, serving others uh, by starting it kind of like. How are we going to support each other? Because it can become quickly um, each to your own. And, and some people might feel really inadequate to, you know, there might be people who cannot uh, take care of themselves. So identifying how you can be a servant um, to the community. And, and that might be feeding somebody or, or that kind of thing. Um, I can't good. imagine the situation. So. Yeah. So how are we going to support each other, um, serve each other, Paul mentioned the word community. You know, I, what I didn't say in the scenario is that there may be some folks who are elderly and don't have a lot of strength or something, you know. And I know Elena raised her hand. I don't know. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Barry. We're going to get you in shape. Uh, yeah, I could you're already in shape. I. Well,
1: I think um, Paul touched on it briefly, but eating together and community building and that, Area of servitude mm. um, is important to me and bringing people together and creating spaces that uh, flourishing can happen.
0: Yeah, thank you, Elena. Yeah, that, the sense of community. Others, I, Olivia, right here.
1: Um, one thing I think would be important is something to do with marking time, um, establishing a rhythm. As far as if, say, you don't know what day it is, Mm. establishing a Sabbath, um, that people can agree that those who believe would come together um, all at once to mark that time and kind of flow around that rhythm.
0: Yeah, yeah. So having a sense of the rhythm of time, doing something to establish a rhythm, if you don't know... What the, what the Sabbath day is, then picking one in seven and making a Sabbath day. Yeah. Did I see another hand? Yes, okay. Thank you, Cindy.
1: Sure. In addition to what everybody else said, the prayer I agree with, the word of God, the coming together and the caring for others and the worship. Um, I also would probably be telling the other 50% how good God is <laughs> and just, you know, testifying to God's greatness.
0: Sharing our faith with the other fifty percent. Absolutely. Yeah. And all the thing all the dynamics involved with that, and that's a whole study in itself right there. Yeah. Any chat? I think any chat. So I think I would start with um, thanks for protection and, and provision. Initially. Yes. And then, no one. No one perished in this. So thank giving right. thanks. Yes. And then as as time drug on and looked like this is going to be a longer term thing, you'd, I'd want to be planning about how to provide and sustain ourselves over a period of time, if if need be. Yes, that Dennis, that's that's good because the weather may be nice right now, but maybe it's not always that nice on this island. Yeah, so planning ahead, how we can sustain ourselves, and and think about everybody, yeah.
1: This has just occurred to me as I'm listening to everybody. Um, And I hear everybody uh, talking, and I hear your heart in it, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, Dennis would think of that. You know, like, oh yeah, Olivia would bring us time. Um, And so it occurs to me as we're sitting here, um, the the real importance of actually knowing one another mm. and um, valuing the individual within the body in the idea that, like, even for those who are not believers yet, that each person is valuable, but on- we only will know their value if we actually know them. Mm. so um, So I think that, it would be exceptionally important that we actually create community in a way where we are known and we know one another, we are seen, and we see each other well.
0: Thank you, Angie. That is huge. And that really does pick up on the whole issue, on the whole area of recognizing and honoring and making space for each other's gifts and contributions. Yeah, that that could be a whole study in itself right there.
1: Um, I just had a thought, too, even that's a it was it's a pretty traumatic experience that they've just experienced, too, that even creating that space, and I think that comes out of the prayer and the fellowship, but even the mental health needs and even thinking, are there children and youth among, and how are we meeting their needs, too, as you kind of think about all that.
0: Wow, that's wonderful, Jessa. Well, yeah, I mean, um, maybe we know our relatives are alive somewhere, but Functionally, they're gone from our lives. The people we left behind and thought we would just see after a little vacation or whatever, you know, we're on the plane for. Wow. This is good. Others? Okay. All right. Savannah has something here. Thank you, Savannah.
1: So I think that I would try to start, like, some kind of church or maybe. I don't know, kind of Olivia and um, I think it was Angie combined and, like, figure out what everybody's good at and then try to either, like, establish, like, different, I don't know, whatever a- everyone's good at, then you'd kind of, like, figure out how your community would function and, I don't know, just try to create, like, a space where everybody has, like, a purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, yes, that's huge. That's good. I see a couple of, yeah all right this is this is not just scratching it.
1: <laughs> That's not just scratching my face this time. Um, this one actually really surprised me because I don't consider myself like a super like rule oriented person but i I keep like I kept feeling the need for like some sort of agreement of like ethical principles and how we're gonna operate and like how we're gonna manage conflict within our group, and some kind of order and laws sort of idea.
0: Okay, and you know, I'm, I'm failing to just repeat what people are saying. I hope everyone can hear that. But having some order, like what are some uh, basic rules we have for the way we're going to live our lives together? And yeah, okay.
1: This yes. is a little layered, um, but there's something called the rule of threes in survival situations. Uh, it's three minutes, three hours, three days, three
0: weeks, and it goes oxygen, shelter, water, and then food. And uh, I also enjoy experiential discovery. And so the fact that oxygen's probably
1: assumed in the situation, your next priority is shelter. And so having that connection even with people and talking about, well, this is our highest
0: priority based on extreme situations, but also then that reflection of who God is in being shelter. Wow. Tim, that's great. Boy, if it ever happened to me, I wish you were on there. Though I don't want to take you from your family or anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, as we moved on beyond the essentials and began to get into our groupings, I would want to be very inclusive. You mentioned that there were a lot of denominations. Yeah. We can be very divisive in, in our present situation, and I would hate to see that continue in, on the island. <laughs> I also would want to be inclusive of those who are not believers. I would want them to feel very welcome. And as I thought about it, my, I thought that my, I think the thing that I would want to do is, is follow what Jesus said about loving the Lord your God, With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and then loving your neighbor as
1: yourself—all neighbors—and I I would want to be very inclusive.
0: Wow, that's rich. Thank you. You know, as you share that, Terry, I think of something that um, that uh, Tim Deering shared in a Netzer meeting I was in—that we have a theology of being the body of Christ, but in this, the pandemic has really realized, revealed. We need a theology of what it means to be a neighbor, just to be a neighbor to somebody who maybe isn't even a Christian. Yeah. Did you have someone else there, Barry, or did something come in on? Okay. If I fail to see your hand, wave a little more vigorously or yell at me or something. Okay. This is really rich. Can we have somebody set up a defensive perimeter? <laughs> a defensive perimeter? Yeah. <laughs> Now, did something come in on chat from Zoom? Nope, No one. nothing no one came in on chat. Okay. All right. I don't want to uh, rush us, but I. this is good. This is rich. And we could, folks, we could go on even longer. I'm going to move us ahead right now. But that doesn't mean the conversation has to be over. I'm hoping we will, I'm really hoping, we'll continue to think about this. We've done this exercise this morning, to help us think about the foundations of being a Christian and following Jesus. Let me tell you some true stories about Christians who wrestled with the kinds of questions that were in our scenario this morning. That is, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? What does Jesus want in his church? The Reformation began, we we consider it began in 1517. Um, the Christian church in Europe, in Western Europe was pretty much all one denomination, what we call the Roman Catholic Church. But by the 1500s, and even Catholic scholars would agree with this, there were real problems in the church. And there were many who felt that some things needed to be cleaned up and corrected. Um, And we consider that the Protestant Reformation began in 1517 when Luther posted his 95 theses on the church door at Wittenberg. That was in 1517. By 1522, Zwingli had started a reformation in Switzerland. And they, they knew about each other. They didn't agree on everything. The Anabaptist movement began out of some of Zwingli's students in 1525. And then shortly after that, the Church of England started when Henry VIII took them out of the Roman Catholic sphere and they were their own national denomination. And in all of this splitting and discussing and dividing, there were a lot of arguments and the arguments sometimes went beyond verbal arguments and we had fights and we had intrigues and there were wars. And all the way into 1618, a war began. So almost hundred, almost a hundred years, hundred and one years after Luther posted the theses, and so, um, the original generation of reformers had died and were off the scene. But in 1618, a war started to decide who is going to be in control and which which group of Christians are going to are we all going to be? And it lasted for thirty years. Thirty years, and this. I know we've been in Afghanistan for 20 years, but this that's remote to us. Imagine the war, the armies were moving back and forth right where we lived. There are some places in Central Europe where historians believe as many as 60 to 80 percent of the people died because of the 30 Years' War, not only directly from the battle, but also because of the famines, as fields were destroyed and there was a shortage of food and the plagues, the sicknesses that ravaged the area. Well, finally the Thirty Years War ended with what is called the Peace of Westphalia, and a part of that peace was, we're going to stop this fighting. Whatever your king, your prince, your ruler wants the religion to be, that's what it's going to be. If your ruler is Catholic, it's going to be a Catholic area. If you're something else, you better keep it quiet or move to a Lutheran area, or if your ruler is Reformed or Lutheran, then that's what you got to be, and if you don't like it, you go there. But you see, it's all based on a state church. Scotland was Presbyterian. England was the Church of England we call Anglican. Um, Scandinavia was Lutheran. The Netherlands was Dutch Reform. And what we now call Germany was really a lot of little states, it wasn't one unified country. It was called the Holy Roman Empire, and so there were a lot of different rulers. Some part of Germany was reformed, Bavaria was Roman Catholic, Um, up around Prussia was Lutheran. Um, So the Treaty of Westphalia got the fighting stopped in terms of war, but a deadness came into the state churches and many felt that the church was not what it ought to be. So in 1675, a renewal movement started in the Lutheran Church that came to be called the Pietist Renewal, and it spread. It spread and affected the reform. Um, Scandinavia became very big in this renewal, and even in England, the Puritans were affected by this. John Wesley was, uh, was affected by the writings and the teachings that came out of this renewal movement. And pietism basically is what we would, we would consider it basic evangelical belief. <laughs> you know, gathering together, personal conversion, gathering together in our homes for Bible study and prayer. I mean, things that are just, we take for granted, but that was considered pretty radical back then. But there were some people that this reform movement within the state churches was not enough. And they, they were just sick of their state churches. They were tired of this, the church being wed together with the government. And they wanted separate. They wanted their churches to be separate from the state government. And they came to be called separatists. And there wasn't much toleration of the separatists. People... Most of Europe, they were tired of the wars, they were tired of the fighting, and they were tired of anybody standing up and saying, we're not doing it right. So, separatists were persecuted. However, there was one ruler in the Holy Roman Empire called Count, his name was Count Henry, and he would allow separatists in his jurisdiction. And from all over Europe, separatists came to Count Henry's little area. Uh, The main city was Schwarzenau, Germany. The Mennonites went there. The Moravians went there. The Amanas went there. Yes, did you know your Amana refrigerator or microwave or air conditioner gets its name from a religious community, which eventually moved to Iowa, and they still have some colonies there in Iowa. And a number of people came there who were separatists, but they really weren't a part of any organized group. And these separatists would, in their homes, they would have their little cottages. They would have home Bible studies, and they would worship, and they would pray together. And they were seeking together, they were trying to discern, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? And they were they were asking those questions. A lot of these folks had lost their wealth, their property. Some of them had been imprisoned for a while. They weren't burning people at at the stake as much at this time, but but they were still suffering. And a lot of these people had lost a lot. They'd had to they just like in their scenario of the plane wreck, they were not gonna to get to see their families again because Travel was not easy, and they were not welcomed back where they came from. They sacrificed a lot in order to follow Jesus the way they were trying to understand what does how, what does Jesus really want us to be. And as they studied in their homes and talked among themselves and had different ideas, just like when there's a lot of denominations, see the Amanas believed everything should be owned in common, so they were a communal group. Um, eight of them, as as they were studying Matthew 18, they saw that they if if a brother sinned against you, you were supposed to go and talk with him. And if he didn't listen to you, take someone else. And if he still didn't listen or she didn't listen, take it before the church. These folks weren't even sure they wanted an organized church. They wasn't weren't even sure that was the way to go. But when they saw that, they felt, well to obey Jesus on this, we need an organized church. Well, how do we become a part of that church? The only thing they could discern was to be baptized, a believer's baptism, where you repent of your sin and you believe in Jesus and you want to follow him as your Lord. And so those eight people, being warned by others, you could get in trouble if you do this, but they, in 1708, they decided the eight of them to be baptized, and that was the beginning of the Church of the Brethren. And those early Brethren, they were very evangelistic, they, and which got them in trouble. And I won't. But within twenty, within ten years, they started coming to the United States because William Penn would allow them here in Pennsylvania. And within twenty years, they had all left Europe because they were getting in trouble, they were getting in prison, they were having their property confiscated, because they were very evangelistic. and um, But those early brethren kept very few records. They promised among themselves that none of them would even tell the day that they were baptized. They On their gravestones, they would only put their initials, they wouldn't even put their full names, because they did not want future generations to just be trying to imitate them. They wanted future generations to seek, search the scriptures and seek God's will and to be asking the question, what does it mean for us to follow Jesus? And in a similar fashion, I'm going to have to keep moving here, but in a similar fashion, in the early 1800s, Thomas Campbell, who was then joined by his son Alexander Campbell, gathered people together in western Pennsylvania, Washington County, and they were seeking to go back to the foundations of Christianity and to rediscover what they called primitive Christianity. They were asking, what does it really mean to follow Jesus and be his disciples? And from that, that movement came to be called the Restoration Movement, and from that movement came... Christian Church Disciples of Christ and Christian Church Non-Denominational and Church of Christ Non-Instrumental and other groups. Similarly, at the turn of the century, the last century, from 1800 to 1900, there were people who were hungry. They saw in scriptures things that they were not experiencing in the church. And they were hungry and they were crying out to God. And on New Year's Eve 1900, In Charles Parham's Bible School in Topeka, Kansas, the modern Pentecostal movement began as they were seeking God and wanted to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Similarly, in the 1960s and 1970s, and Sue and I are old enough to remember this, tremendous movements of God in the charismatic movement and in the Jesus people movement the co- this kind of searching and Okay, oh, well, there I am. Okay, I don't want anyone to miss what I'm saying. Oh, okay, well, all right, I'm, I'm glad you're nearby because I'm not sure I know how to switch the switch, but I'll, I'll learn, I will learn, it just may take me a while. This kind of searching was a part of the founding of Cornerstone. Even though I didn't get to be here with you then, I know it was because Bob Krauss and Tom Keller and I were very thick and doing a lot of stuff together at that time. And, Getting in trouble together, etc. And I heard their dreams and their vision about Cornerstone. And friends, today, right now, in the Church of the Brethren, there is going on a similar search. And I am especially encouraged by that. I felt called by the Lord um, when I was, I started pastoring in the Church of the Brethren when I was 23. God had saved me and filled me with his spirit, and I wanted to, I, I have devoted most of my adult life to helping bring renewal in the Church of the Brethren. And I am old enough, I mean, I, Sue and I now talk in terms of decades, not just years. <laughs> Two decades ago, three decades ago, we did this. Um, but I am encouraged by a generation of younger leaders that God is raising up. People like Justin Boyer in our congregation and Matt Hershey and Matt and Courtney both, and the pastors, um, Paul and um, Brandy Liepelt and at the Anvil Church the Brethren, and Jeff Keller at the Lebanon Church the Brethren, over by the hospital, people and I could name more and more and more I'm just naming a few that are in our area, who love the Lord and are hungry for what God wants in the church, and are asking, searching questions. And that's exactly what the founders of the Church of the Brethren would have wanted, that every generation, it's not a matter of imitating what was before, but it's a matter of seeking God and following Jesus. The pandemic has thrown many in the church in the United States into a real searching, because sadly the pandemic has revealed some things in the church that were not very pretty and we still haven't fully healed from that but we, there are many I hear it from leaders across the United States and they're asking what is it? We, I'm afraid the pandemic revealed a lot of immaturity among us as Christians and leaders are asking what does Jesus want and what do we need to do to get there? And friends, I believe, I believe that we here at Cornerstone are entering a new and exciting phase in our life together as a congregation in our quest for what Jesus wants in his church and in his people here in Lebanon. And this is a good thing. This is a good thing. No one, friends, no one said it was going to be easy to follow Jesus Jesus certainly did not say it was going to be easy. But, oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Not just church as usual, but what Jesus wants in his church. So, talk about courage and leadership, building, rebuilding foundations, you know, we often think of these great Christian leaders of the past as being old. Maybe it's because the camera wasn't invented until they were old, and we, or no one bothered to take their picture until they were old. But you know, really, usually they were young. They were young. Alexander Mack, the first minister in the Church of the Brethren, one of the eight who was baptized in 1708, he was only 29 years old when the Church of the Brethren started. Alexander Campbell, who I mentioned earlier, with the Restoration Movement, was 24 when he was ordained a minister in the movement that he would eventually lead. Friends, God did not design youth for hedonism, but for heroism. Well, that's another sermon. I can't go there now. But who will dare to follow Jesus all the way? To be the disciples that Jesus desires. Let's look at a few scriptures here. And I know time. I'm going to read 1, John, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 15. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. The Apostle Paul writes, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Verse 11 For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That is our key verse for today. Paul goes on to say, verse 12, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day, in other words, when Jesus comes back, as through fire. Paul goes on and talks about uh, this further in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. I'm going to read that because Paul uses slightly varied imagery when he writes in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. So you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God So what does Jesus say are the essentials of what it means to follow him, to be his disciples? You've named many of them this morning, and I commend you for that. I'm not going to presume to try to cover everything. In fact, there's not much time. I'm going to just make reference. In Matthew 28, what we call the Great Commission, Jesus tells us to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe everything that he's commanded. And he says, lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now notice, Jesus is not saying to lead people to pray the sinner's prayer to receive Jesus as Savior. That's important. That's a part of it. But Jesus, rather, is saying that we are to make disciples. Disciples are people who want to walk with Jesus, live with Jesus, submit to Jesus, and to learn from Jesus. In Matthew 16, 24, and also in Mark and Luke, twice in Luke, Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In Matthew 22, Jesus shares the great commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And in, the last, in John's extensive account of Jesus' teaching there at the Last Supper, John 13 through 17, over and over again, Jesus says to love one another. I, I'm, gonna, I, I'm just going to read one of them to you. Um, chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love (laughs) for one another. This, This is not, it's pretty obvious what Jesus is saying here. Courage and leadership building, rebuilding foundations. Our value statement also mentions courage and leadership. What is courage? Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is not a cocky self-confidence. Rather, courage is doing the right thing in the face of our fears, accepting responsibility and doing it. It takes courage to follow Jesus. And I love G.K. Chesterton's quote. He said, It is not that Christianity has been tried and found wanting. Rather, it has been found difficult and seldom tried. Mm, we make a religion out of it, but that's not the same thing as really following Jesus. And leadership. Okay, who are the leaders? Brothers and sisters, we all are leaders. Leadership is influence. It is not a question of whether we are leaders, but of what but what is the sphere of our leadership? If nothing else, we each need to lead ourselves. Okay, that's another sermon, sorry. but So, Jesus came to build, to rebuild the foundations. Jesus came to show us what God always intended for humanity. Yes, God is revealed in Jesus. Jesus is both God and human. But God is also hidden in Jesus, Because Jesus could only be in one place at a time. Jesus would get hungry. Jesus would get tired. The deity of Jesus was hidden in his flesh. But Jesus perfectly reveals to us what God wants for you and me to be. And Jesus came so that our sins could be forgiven and we could be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God is working in us to make us like Jesus. So would the worship team please come back forward at this time? So, as we go forth and forward today, I want us to ask ourselves, to seriously ask ourselves, what does it mean to follow Jesus? To walk with Jesus as his disciples? What would it mean for Jesus to have here in Cornerstone the people, the church that he wants, for whom he died and rose again. What would that look like? Maybe he already has it. Maybe we're fully there. I won't ask a raise of hands on that. Or maybe you and I have some important growing to do. It pleases God for us to ask these kinds of questions. And Jesus promised, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Friends, God has a plan. It is made to work. And it is made to work with people like you and me. Not just with the super saints, but with you and me. So why don't we see God's plan working more often and producing the good fruit? Friends, I believe it is because we've seen the plan. It is clear in Scripture. I've named just a little bit of it today. This was not new to you. You all had heard that before. But it is so simple. Now, Not easy, but simple. It is so simple that we have a hard time believing that it could really be the plan. Things like love one another, forgive one another, serve one another. So we devise other things, which are not necessarily bad, but they are not God's plan. And thus we don't see the results that we are hungry for. Friends, Our lives in this current world are an adventure. And I believe that Cornerstone is on the brink of going to a new level in the adventure. So I ask, what does it mean for us to follow Jesus? What does Jesus want in his church? Brothers and sisters, let's go for it. Let's give it all we've got. Jesus is with us. Amen.